Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday, November 28th, 2022. What a blessing it is to be with you this morning. I hope that everybody had a very happy Thanksgiving. And of course, I guess now it's officially the Christmas season. There's a wreath and or I should say wreaths behind my head and Black Friday has gone and Cyber Monday is here and all sorts of things are going on. Let me again say thank you to the ladies and if there were men involved, those who decorated the church. If you saw the live stream yesterday, you saw just a portion of it, but beautiful, beautiful work. Um, really just a wonderful time of the year. I don't know about you. I love Christmas. I mean, I love it. I love Every part of it, from Bing Crosby on the radio to fruitcakes to, I mean, seriously, love, love, love Christmas. But of course, the basis of that love is what Christmas really is all about, which is the incarnation of our Lord, how Jesus Christ took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. And as a result, we have freedom in Christ. We have life in Christ. We have purpose in Christ. All of those I should say, who have placed their trust in him. And so I hope that you have a wonderful season indeed. A little bit ironic because as you know, it's the Christmas season, obviously we're focusing on that in our sermon series at the church, but where we're at in our daily devotionals is towards the end of Jesus' life. Yesterday, one of the things that I mentioned in my sermon was that Jesus' work began in the manger and is completed on the cross. We're on the cross end of things, right, in our daily devotional. Where we left off before, the last thing we had talked about, we're in John chapter 14, and we talked about the basics, right? The basics where Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands, the basics of the promise that he gives. In fact, verse 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. This is what we talked about the last time. This is not about us working our way into heaven and the way that we're forgiven is if we keep the command. Y'all, Jesus knows that we will not and cannot keep his commands perfectly. You know how we know? Because he died for us. That's why. Yesterday, I remarked that if there were any other way for us to be saved, that's the way that God would have said, right? If it was a matter of us working harder, you know, if it was a matter of us trying harder to follow the Ten Commandments or something else that we might arbitrarily choose, y'all, that's not what Christianity is about. If there was any way for us to be saved other than through the blood of Jesus Christ, don't you think that's what God would have said? If it was a matter of us following his example better, if it was a matter of us, again, just trying harder, the Bible would say, hey, straighten up, fly right, work harder next time. But y'all, that, that's not how we're saved. That We can't be saved that way. Even if you were able somehow, some way to just stop sinning right now, okay, or you stop sinning right now and you say, all right, from here on out, I'm not going to sin anymore. And that includes not only the things that I do, but the things that I leave undone. Because remember, that's how sin works. It's not just what you do. It's what you leave undone as well, or the things that you don't do that you ought to do. Even if somehow, some way you could do that, you still got to pay for the sins that you've already committed. I mean, the, the offense has been made. It has to be paid for. 
And there's no way to pay for sin by replacing it with another good work. That's not how atonement works. Once the crime has been committed, look, the example I've used of this before is if I'm cutting the grass out here um, and I you know, sling a rock through Stanley's window across the street and I say to myself, wow, okay, clearly I did that. I feel terrible about this. You know what? From here on out, I'm only going to do right by Stanley. Right. I was a bad neighbor. I should have been more careful. But from here on out, I'm only going to do right by Stanley. And I look at his driveway and I say, you know what? And, and by the way, his driveway is perfect. But let's just say it wasn't. I say, all right, from now on, I'm going to do right by Stanley. So I'm going to have his driveway resealed for him. And then I look over and I see his roof, which, by the way, his roof is perfect, too. It's, it's about the same age as the one here. But let's say that it wasn't. I say, I'm doing right by Stanley, so I'm going to put a new roof on his house. And you know what? I'm going to start cutting this grass for him. And I do all of these things after that initial offense to him. Right. I do all of these wonderful things for him. Y'all, I can't unbreak the window. You see, if I do, if I put a new roof on his house, if I reseal his driveway, if I start doing his lawn work, and yet the window's still broken, then there's a problem. That's how sin works. Even if you could be perfect, you still got to pay for what you've already done. And that's where Jesus comes in. As our representative of 2 Corinthians 5 says, he became sin for us, for his people. So that's why I love this season. It starts at the manger. It's completed at the cross. And as Jesus says here, if you love him, you'll follow his commands. This is not about earning your way into salvation. It's about what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's it. And along with this, he gives the promise about what will happen with those who obey his teaching. He talks about the counselor, the Holy Spirit. The last time we were together, we talked about how that term counselor really ought to be read in a judicial sense. Like a lawyer is a counselor. Okay. So we left off in verse 26. But where we're picking up today in John 14 is in verse 27. So let me pray and then we will dig in. Our God and our Father, please be with us now and guide us in this time. I am grateful for it. I'm, I'm glad that we have this time together. I pray that you would guide us in it. I pray that the technology would work in it. And, and I pray that you would give us a greater sense of understanding, yes, but a greater devotion to you in light of what you have done, and in light of what you are doing, and in light of what you're going to do. You're always good to your word. Help us to remember that. Now, please guide us by your spirit, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so where we're picking up today is John 14, verse 27. And again, this is Jesus addressing his disciples, but by extension, it's for you and it's for me as well. But in verse 27, we hear Jesus say, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And then he says something interesting. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, this one verse has a lot of things in it, right? You have the promise of peace. Well, what do we mean by peace? What, what, what kind of peace is this? We have the promise that Jesus doesn't give like the world gives. Well, how does the world give? And then finally, he talks again about not letting their hearts be troubled. This is a bookend, right? <clears throat> At the beginning of the passage, at John 14, excuse me, 
I got a frog in my throat. At the beginning of the passage, remember, Jesus is addressing his disciples in verses one through six. We have this beautiful narrative, this beautiful dialogue where Jesus is talking to them about not letting their hearts be troubled, not letting their hearts be afraid. He tells them that he once again is going to depart from them. He's speaking of his ascension back into heaven. He doesn't use that specific terminology, but we know that's what he's talking about, right? And he says to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he goes to talk about the place that he's preparing for them. And by extension, you and me too, if we trust in him. Um, he talks about how in his father's house or uh, there are many rooms or many mansions, depending on what translation you want to use. It doesn't matter. But he then makes the very logical argument that if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'm going to come back and get you so that you may be where I am. You know, that that's the greatest comfort we have. That is the source of the peace that Jesus leaves with us. Martin Luther has this great quote where he talks about being a, a horrible sinner. And y'all realize that we all are. Again, sin is not just the things that you do. Sin is those things that you should do, but you never get around to. Sin is manifest in the heart. You know, all these statements about if you lust after something or someone, uh, something, you're coveting right? Um, if you lust after someone, you're committing adultery. If, if you hate your brother in your heart, you're guilty of murder in your heart. Sin is not just the physical things that we do with our hands. It's the inclination of our heart, but it's also those things that we don't do that we should. Those things that we leave undone, that we're required to do by God's law. Martin Luther said, yes, it's true. I'm a great sinner. What of it? And then he goes on to say that he has been redeemed by Jesus Christ, that he's been washed in his blood, and therefore, where Jesus is, I shall be also. This is our source of peace. Where Jesus is, we will be also. Not immediately. Not immediately. But realize that we do have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We do have the sacrament of communion, wherein we are lifted spiritually into the presence of Christ to receive the benefits of his covenant promises. We have these things, but they point to that greater reality that is coming. Either by the Lord's return or by him calling you home, you will be judged. I will be judged. We will all be judged. And either we will be found in Jesus Christ or not. And the only way to be found in Christ is to trust in him alone for your salvation. If you have done that, you will be with him. That's why he leaves the disciples. Yes, us by extension. That's why he leaves us with peace. That's the peace that he gives us. And then he makes this qualifying statement in verse 27. A statement that is true across all time. He said, I do not give to you as the world gives. What does he mean by that? Well, think about how the world works. Doesn't the world give with a price tag attached? 
Mm -hmm. The world, you know, the, the perfect example of this is the free introductory trial, right? Where you sign up for the free trial and it's for 14 days, but then you got to start paying. That's how the world gives. There's always a cost associated with the world. The cost associated with Jesus is discipleship, loving him. But y'all, that's no cost at all comparatively. Because you've given him your soul, right? Your, your soul has been entrusted to him. But when the world gives, it gives with a price tag. And not only that, when the world gives, the product that is, that is offered to you is never really the product that you get. The world promises things like wholeness, fulfillment, happiness, joy. And yet what the world offers never really results in those things, does it? That's why there's always something new. That's why the world is always trying to get you to go down a different path. And y'all, sometimes it's much more obvious. Many times what the world offers is just a lie. It's not even something that you have to try for a while and then you figure out, oh, well, this doesn't really bring fulfillment. So much of what the world does really is just a lie. It's meant to manipulate. It's meant to entrap. It's meant to entice. It's meant to part you from your money most of the time, the way that the world gives it. They're just trying to get you to buy something from them. And, and, and these are just a few ways that the world gives, because the things of this world are only temporary, y'all. That's what Jesus is really pointing to, the nature of this world around us. And this isn't new for John 14. He's been doing this all along through his ministry. That's why he tells us, don't listen, where your heart is or where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, because on earth, moth and rust destroy. The thief breaks in and he steals and he kills and all these different things. Everything in this world, apart from the things of God, is just temporary. And y'all, <clears throat> the peace that Jesus offers, it's not just a ceasefire. You know, sometimes we get things mixed up. We think about peace and we really compare it to a ceasefire. The reality is, is just because people aren't killing one another doesn't mean that there's really peace. Because it, in an instant, the ceasefire can end and people can start killing one another all over again. Peace, the peace of Jesus Christ is eternal. It knows no bounds. It is comprehensive, covering all things. It's not like the peace that the world offers. The peace that is impossible because the world is sinful. And again, everything in the world is temporary. Yet what Jesus offers is perfect. And to that end, he can say, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. <clears throat> the only way that our hearts will not be troubled is if we're focused on Christ. That's it. There is nothing this world can do to bring you peace. There is nothing this world can do to bring you assurance. It will only be found in Jesus Christ because it is only God who is over the world. It is only Jesus Christ who has dominion over the world. We have turfs, we have territory, all that stuff. But only Jesus Christ is ultimately seated on the throne. 
So it will only be through him. Now, Jesus gets more specific at this point about the things that are going to happen with him for his disciples. Verse 28, he says, you heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now, careful, folks. We got to be really careful here. This is not Jesus presenting some hierarchy that he's a lesser God than God. This certainly isn't Jesus denying the fact that he is God. What Jesus is bringing out is what we call the economy of the Trinity. Right. That God is the father everlasting. The, t the son is eternally begotten and he submits to the will of the father not because he isn't God, because he chooses to do so instead. And what Jesus is referring to here is the progression of things. Now, his presence on earth at that point was never to be permanent. That is so much bigger than what's going on in, in, in first century Middle Eastern culture, right? Jesus's kingdom is far more, uh, far more increased, far more encompassing. And what Jesus came to do was not just fix the problems in Jerusalem 2000 years ago. He came to fix all the problems and that required him to go away. And he says, to them, if you love me, you'd be glad that I'm going back to the Father. Do they understand? No. Will they understand? Yes, absolutely. He says in verse 29, because of that, I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. Verse 30, I will not speak with you much longer for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. He's referring to Satan there, right? He's, he's referring to the fact that Satan thinks he will have the victory over Christ. It's prophesied all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, how the serpent would strike his heel, and yet the seed of the woman would crush his head. Verse 31, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Y'all, you know, what Jesus is laying down here in John 14 is the ultimate expression of why he came to do what he came to do. And that is, he is there to complete the will of the Father. And he's making promises along the way. He's saying, listen, I'm not just going to vanish. You're not just going to be alone. God, the Holy Spirit, will come to indwell you. But yet again, Jesus affirms that he is on a mission. And that mission is to do the atoning work of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That mission is to submit to the Father, even to the point of drinking the cup of wrath that you and I deserve to guzzle. He did it for us. And yet, though the way of salvation is provided, God's love is so comprehensive that he doesn't just leave us to figure things out. The spirit is promised. Now, in John 15, we're going to get more teaching on what it means to follow Christ and all of these things. But you all in the midst of all the different things that we've been talking about. In the midst of the Christmas season, where we focus on the incarnation of our Lord, as opposed to his crucifixion and resurrection. We can never forget that he's on a mission and that he would be faithful and that he would complete that mission. And as a result, 
we have life in him. Now, what does this have to do with you and me today? Well, not only do we enjoy the benefits of these things, but are you trusting in the peace that he has left with us? Are you relying on him? And are you living by the spirit that he gives us as our counselor, as our advocate? I hope so. Because y'all, the peace that I leave with you, my peace I give you in verse 27, is all contingent on that. If you're not trusting in the spirit, um, you know, again, going back to verse 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. If you're not relying on the spirit, if you're not living in the spirit, then what does that say about what you're being taught? You're being influenced by the world, not by Jesus, right? What does it say about the peace that he leaves? You know, if you are in a judicial case, right? Again, looking at this from a legal aspect, if you've got a lawyer and he says, keep your mouth shut, let me do the talking, but you completely ignore your lawyer, how's your case going to go? Not too good, right? Um, if we ignore the Holy Spirit as our counselor, as our advocate, it doesn't mean that we will lose our salvation, but it all, but let me tell you what it does mean. It means a miserable life. It means an unfulfilled life. It means a missed opportunity. It means that we're poor stewards of the gift that God has given to us. And again, ultimately, it means that we're not going to have peace. So as you examine your life, where this meets us today, November 28th, 2022, 7.22 a.m., where this intersects with us is, if you have no peace, then you need to examine your relationship with the Holy Spirit. First, you need to examine if you're in Christ, right? Because if you don't have Christ, you won't have the Holy Spirit, okay? But if you are in Christ and you still struggle with this, if you have no peace, examine your relationship and your reliance upon the Holy Spirit. And then all of these things are added to you. All of these things about understanding what Jesus is doing is why Jesus is doing it. Understanding the mission that he is on and that he lets us participate in. All of these are ours through the Holy Spirit. But you've got to trust. You've got to rely. You've got to live in the Spirit. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for your gifts, which are so numerous. We pray that you would work in our hearts, that we would all anew dedicate ourselves to living by the Spirit, trusting in you, going to your word, seeking your face, all of these things. We thank you for the peace that we are given, the peace that you are the sovereign one, the peace that we know how everything's going to work out, the peace that you've called us to simply obey you and leave the consequences to you. By your Holy Spirit, please work in our hearts. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I see we've got Christine. Good morning. And yeah, whatever, Monica, you can call it whatever you want. Um, that's a little papist for me. But yeah, it is the Advent season, I guess. But, you know, it's not as if Christmas hasn't happened yet. Monica, my contrarian friend this morning. All right. Um, 
but technically you're right, I guess. Anyway, Alice, thank you so much. It's good to see you this morning. There's Becky and the other Becky and Rose and Elizabeth. And again, thank you all so much for being here. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow morning at seven.